My first real advice when it comes to credit cards and managing them is just use your credit card like a debit card. I have known so many people who use their debit card for everything. And they have a credit card, but they don't really use it. They only use it sometimes. And I've always asked, like, why why are you using your debit card when you could be using your credit card and then just pay that off? Welcome back to Wish I Knew Podcast, a one-stop shop of all the learning you need in adulthood that you probably weren't taught. Whether it's learning to become more financially literate, maintaining or starting a healthier lifestyle, or learning the true value of credit score, we've got you covered. My name is Maria. And my name is San. Today's podcast is about the importance of building credit and what it all entails. Let's talk about what we each have done, how we've done things well, and what we would have changed, as well as how it has all affected our credit score. Are you ready, San? Yeah, this is a big topic. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so Maria, I believe you're way more knowledgeable when it comes to credit and credit score because you've actually started the process <laughs> way sooner than I have. So why don't you go ahead and start and talk about your experience? Okay, for sure. Um, Okay, so wait, quick question. At what age did you start? Well, I opened up my first credit card account my sophomore year of college, maybe going on to my junior year of college. So by then I was 20, 21, which is kind of late in the game now, right? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I mean, you said that and I was like, hang on a second, because I, I didn't know how late you were talking about. That really isn't bad because um, I was talking to my friend the other day and she's 26 and she was just telling me about how she just opened up her first credit card. Wow. I was, I literally had to pause because I didn't know if I like heard her right. I was like scared for her. I was like a little anxious for her. I was like, oh my God, wait, what? Like you're 26 and you like just open up your first credit card. Of course I kept it all in my head. Um, but so yeah, I mean, my jaw like dropped, you know, in my mind. Um, it was just so different than how I did things. Um, and I couldn't believe that this was actually normal. So you know, I took it to the internet, right? Um, and I looked it all up and, and I actually started asking around. And um, so it turns out only 33% of all 18 to 29-year-olds have a credit card. I mean, only 33%. I mean, that's, you know, a third. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it jumps to 55% at the age of 30 to 49. That's only half. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Obviously, y'all can, like, you know, do math and know what a percentage is, but I'm just like, it's just so weird to me. Um, so for me, it's like, why are people waiting so long to get their first credit card? And I really don't know the answer. Um, but maybe we'll find out. I don't know. But, um, so now I know some people are really against credit cards because they don't believe in them. There are some financial gurus out there who, 
uh, say that credit cards aren't, you know, good or useful um, and things like that. Now, I do understand that in some form, and it really just depends on the kind of person that you are. I feel like if you just can't control yourself with a credit card and you just have to swipe and you just don't notice, you know, how your finances go with a credit card and you have an issue with it and you're, you know, creating all this debt, then at that point, maybe a credit card just isn't for you. Now Mm -hmm. you do need to like train yourself and get better at it so that you are able to have a credit card because there's so many benefits to it. But, um, I, for example, and, and I'll talk about this later, I do this financial spreadsheet every single month. So that helps me stay in check of, okay, how much am I spending on household items? How much am I spending on restaurants and going out? How much am I spending at Starbucks? coffee, you know, how much am I spending on alcohol and things like that. So it really helps me keep in check. So that, you know, keeps me um, accountable. That's really good. I mean, I think the rule of thumb is if you have a credit card and you want to use it, anytime you make a purchase, you should think about paying it off before the statement is like shown is posted onto your account, right? Like that is the rule of thumb. Like don't just go in there and just spend willy nilly. You must pay for it. That's how you build good credit. Exactly, exactly. And you really need credit no matter what. I mean, there's some people who get away with not using credit, but at that point you would have to have a lot of cash. And really at our age, I mean, we don't have like, out of cash. <laughs> we, don't, right. we don't really <laughs> accumulate wealth. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, and for our audience, I mean, you could either be in high school or college or you're in your 20s. Um, and so, you know, at that age, at those ages, you just don't have that kind of cash, right? So you really need to have and build your credit um, because you're going to need it whenever you purchase your first car, when you purchase your first home, even for jobs. Mm-hmm. When they do your background check, if nobody knows this. I thought a background check was just a background check to see if you had any misdemeanors or whatever. Uh, criminal activity. Criminal yeah. activity, yeah. Well, no. I mean, they actually look at your credit score. They have access to all that stuff, which is so insane. Um, and they can really, you know, determine your position uh, with that information. Like, are you able to be trusted are you accountable are you responsible so I know we keep talking about credit score but I want to take a second to kind of define what that is yes so for those of you that aren't aware of credit score it's typically like a grade right so like it's in school you get a grade of a b c d it's kind of the same thing except the numbers are weighted differently so you can have a score from what is it, three fifty to it's like eight fifty. Yeah. Eight fifty, yeah. And so obviously the higher your score, the better. And the lower your score, well, there's some poor activity going on in terms of whether or not your length of credit, right, mm-hmm. is long enough, whether you pay your credit bill on time every month. Yeah, I mean it's your credit history. It's 
um, how much of your credit are you using? So for example, when you have a credit mm-hmm. card, are you using up your credit card like 99% every single month? Are you, do you have some wiggle room there? Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, make up your credit score. And there's a lot of ways to, to build the credit, but the easiest way to build your credit is getting a credit card. And making your payments on time. Exactly. Yes. And we're about <laughs> and to get into that. The best advice I want to say is make sure that when you build, like when you open a new account, you don't just close the account because length of credit also plays a role into your score as well. Yeah. So that's absolutely correct. Um, credit history is a, a big thing. And I got my first credit card when I was 18. And I have, what is that, uh, eight years Discovered. of oh, eight years, wow. eight years of credit history now, but I still get, you know, my credit score report, like it's like a little yellow, there's like a little yellow Same. triangle and it's like, oh, credit yeah. history isn't long enough. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, but thankfully <laughs> that, um, isn't a huge determining factor because, um, I have a good credit score so you can, uh, get away from having, you know, that history mm-hmm. as long as everything else is really good. So you had your card, your very first credit card at 18. What was your credit card company? So yeah, my credit card company was Discover. So um, of course, me being <laughs> the person that I am, I was already looking this up and talking to my sister, um, my older sister about getting a credit card when I was 17. So like the same month that I turned 18, I wanted my credit card. I was just so excited for it. So I got the Discover It card. Um, and it was a good card. Um, it was great. I mean, it was just, um, you know, a card. I did have to have a co-signer. So my sister co-signed for me. And with that, it um, does affect her credit should I not, you know, make my payments um, or do anything else that would, you know, lower the credit score. So it does affect both credits, but it also helps build my credit if I'm responsible. So since I didn't have any credit history, I had to have a cosigner. And actually, there's a little trick around this that we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, a little bit later, on how you can build credit before you turn 18. Ooh. Yeah. I know a few too. That's exciting. Ooh. I love that topic. Okay, awesome. Um, so my very first credit card was actually the same. I had the Discover It card as well. And I too had to have a co-signer. And my co-signer was my father. So that was interesting because I was 20 years old. <laughs> I was 20 years old and having asked my dad, hey, dad, I need you to be my co-signer. And, you know, he was more than willing to do it. I just, I just wish I knew about it sooner, you know, but better late than never absolutely is the best thing right now okay so of course the reason why i have maria lead this particular podcast is because she has various credit cards and it's not a bad thing i think it's quite interesting how knowledgeable she is when it comes to the types of credit cards that are offered And I say that because I actually only recently opened up my second credit card 
And mind you, I am 27 years old. So I opened my very first credit card at 20 years old. And it's been seven years later until I finally said, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm reading all these you know, books, financial books about building credit and, you know, understanding the importance of your, your score. And one of them being how much your credit limit is and how much you spend. So like utilization as part of it. And so that was one of the things that geared me to open up a second credit card. But Maria, She's had so many years ahead of me. So let's go ahead and talk about your second credit card and any value you have for our listeners. Yeah. So, okay. My first credit card, uh, like I said, was Discover. My credit um, limit each month was $500. So it wasn't very much and I wanted to continue to build my credit. Um, So that's why I got the Chase Freedom I got the Chase Freedom about a year and a half after I turned 18 or so. Um, so here are some of the benefits that you get from getting the Chase Freedom. You earn a $200 bonus after you spend $500 on purchases in the first three months. You can earn cash back. You earn 5% on travel purchased through the Chase Ultimate Rewards. You earn 3% on dining at restaurants, takeout, and eligible delivery services, hashtag uh, college, um, mm-hmm. earn 3% on drugstore purchases and earn 1.5% on all other purchases and your cashback rewards do not expire. So it's actually pretty cool nice. because it would just rack up um, money for me and then I could get it in the form of Visa gift card, Amazon gift card, um, whatever it was. So it was pretty cool. It is uh, a low intro APR, 0% um, intro APR for 15 months from the account opening. And then after that, your APR just varies from there. There is no annual fee, which was very important to me. Same thing with the Discover. I've never, any of my credit cards, I don't have any annual fees on them. Um, and then I will say that there are some, and we'll get into this later, that do have an annual fee. But if you are using it the way that you should and you're at that stage in your life, then that makes more sense to you than one of these that, you know, doesn't give you as many benefits. So we'll get into that um, a little bit later. But this credit card gave me like way, way, way more of a credit limit. So that was great. I was able to use that um, a lot more and, and really help build my credit with that. Another thing that I'll mention is since I got my first credit card, I've never paid a single cent in interest. It's all been paid nice. in full every single month, um, which has been really huge and, and important in building your credit and having a good credit score. If you did not take anything away from this <laughs> podcast, the one thing that you should take away is to make sure you pay your account in full every month. That's how you avoid interests. Yeah. And interest is a pain in the butt. Like, why would you want to pay credit card companies for money that you already have or you should have before you spend something? Exactly. And if you're spending more than what you're able to pay off at the end of the month, then you are just living beyond your means. And you just have to look at all of your expenses and see where you can cut down costs at. Because you shouldn't be 
putting things into interest. For example, I'm building my credit and all these years I've been building my credit and I've been doing all this because I, I'm, I can afford to pay off my credit card at the end of the month. I'm not, you know, overspending. Now, I know that one day I will eventually put something into interest. I think, you know, when I get a home, whenever I'm purchasing, you know, washer, dryers, um, all this furniture for the home, you know what I mean? In those kind of situations, I understand having to use a credit card for those kinds of situations if you haven't saved up money. I mean, hopefully, maybe you don't have to do that if you save enough money, but it's there just in case I need it. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to use it until I really, really, really need to. Okay, so... Let's move on to your American Express card. Like I'm I'm so interested in this because this was something or this type of card was something that I've been eyeing in the market and my husband actually um, applied and was able to receive an American Express card. So I'm learning a little bit about it as well. So yeah, go ahead and tell us your experience about that. Yeah, so my American Express. So the way that that started was because we have a really close family friend who's a banker, and he actually works at Bank of America. And so I set up a meeting with him to just ask him some questions, like, what do I need to do? Um, You know, just like general questions. And this was, again, years ago, years ago. And he told me that I should get an American Express card. And I was like, um, you work for Bank of America. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, he laughed about it. But um, he said, you know, an American Express card is just a really good card to have. And um, you can, it just really helps you build your credit. And they give you really high credit limits. So I look into it. I decide to do it. Now, American Express is known to have a really high APR. But that didn't stop me from getting it because, again, I don't intend to you know put anything into interest um and i haven't so um, i got the blue cash everyday card for this one there's also not an annual fee you can earn up to 250 dollars back you can also um, earn 20 percent on amazon purchases and there's a lot of other benefits too and so you can really look at this online and every person is different so just make sure that you do your research before you get your first credit card or if you're looking to get your next credit card. But when I got my American Express and I was told my credit limit, I was like, hang on a second. I am how old? I think I was like, I don't know, 22 when I got it. Mm-hmm. No, maybe 21 when I got it. And my credit limit was 10,000. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go backwards. You said that. So your first one was 500. Mm-hmm. My second one. Your second one is ten thousand. No, sorry. My Chase Freedom was uh-huh. two thousand five hundred. Okay, and then your third. And then my your third. American Express was ten thousand. Yes. Nice. That nice, is nice. That is, like, I don't know. I was literally like told on the phone while I was like with the representative on the phone, and I'm, and I was like, so you're saying that I can spend ten thousand dollars in one month? Is that what you mean by my credit limit? <laughs> And she was like, I mean, well, like she wasn't answering my question. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what a credit limit is. I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. Like, 
hypothetically, if I wanted to spend $10,000 in one month, I could, right? And then she eventually said, yeah, but, you know. Don't do it. Right. right. Exactly. Be smart with your money. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, am I blinking out right now? Like, what's a card limit? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was my experience with that. Wow. Okay. So, I guess in comparison, because remember, I only have two credit cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My first one my credit limit with discover was 300 but in a year i remember this very very explicitly so a year after they automatically updated my credit limit oh yeah i don't know if that's ever happened to you yep. yeah right yep. okay so they automatically updated to 10,000 Ooh, nice. For Discover. And I was like, wait, I don't need 10000 Like, take it away because I was so afraid. I was like, did I do something wrong? Yeah. What's going on? Why are you giving me so much money? Yeah. But granted, I've never had to use it that much. But that that was my experience. And then my second card was the Chase, is the Chase Sapphire preferred card. And they only gave me an $8,000 limit, which was kind of weird. But I'm all game for it. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, my credit cards have just been automatically uh, updating. Yeah, like up, updated, upgrading, whatever the word is. Um, I don't even know what they're at anymore, but it's just, it's kind of crazy. I'm just like, why? I don't even cl- spend close to my American Express every month. So <laughs> right. that's just one of them. And I've had them for years, so they've like been accumulating. So, okay, okay. tell us about your Chase Sapphire. Tell us all about it, benefits, all that good stuff, because I'm actually really interested. The reason why I even applied for one was because of the travel benefits that the Chase Sapphire, the Sapphire card offered. Now, I have the Discover It card, so that one is more geared towards like cash back, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a cash back card versus... The Chase Sapphire Preferred card is more of a bonus points card that's geared towards travel credit. And I don't know. I think I just started thinking about, okay, well, San, pandemic's almost over. I mean, I can't say it's almost over, but we are getting ready to kind of go back to normalcy. So that means travel. And that's something that, you know, my husband and I are really looking forward to do this summer. So what better way than to figure out a travel hack, right? So the Chase Sapphire card does all that. So if you spend, I believe, $4,000 on purchases in the first three months, you earn 80,000 bonus points on top of whatever your bonus points that you've earned within the first three months, right, of your purchases. Now, um... I'm still trying to learn the value of bonus points when it comes to dollars. But from my experience, if you go through the Chase portal and you look up, you know, flights and hotel credits and stuff like that um, within that portal, you actually get more bang for your buck. So it's really interesting. Um, You pretty much you know, like earning that 80,000 points is about $1,000 towards travel. And this is just purchases that we are already doing. So like going to the grocery store, pumping our gas for our Honda, 
right? Um, maybe eating out whenever we can. Last week, my parents visited, and so we just you know, went out and everyone was like, hey, we'll just Venmo you back, which was a great idea because we used our credit card, bam, shemalam, and then that's how we get our, you know, bonus points. If you're a big traveler like me, um, this is something that you probably want to consider. Chase offers various personal credit cards, and if you use them right, you can actually optimize your travel redemptions, um, your point redemptions for it. So there are three cards that you should consider. One, the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card. The second, if you own a business, the Chase Inc. Business Card. And then finally, the Chase Freedom Unlimited. Now, between each card, there are obviously other variations. So for example, if you are considering the Chase Sapphire, there is a preferred version and then there is a reserve version. So read up on that and kind of figure out which one works best for you. Obviously, one has a higher annual fee. However, it, there could be more benefits. And um, from my understanding, there is. So it's just really what works best for you. But for the purpose of this, I'm going to talk about the three main cards that can help you maximize your point redemptions for travel. And that's going to be the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, the Chase Freedom Unlimited card, and then the, the Chase Inc. Business card. Let's say you have all three cards. Chase lets you pool all your points in one place so that you can utilize all the points that you have rather than just looking solely at one card and how many points you receive for that particular card. Okay, now for those of you that already have the Chase Unlimited card, you're like, wait, that's a cash back card. You're correct. You can actually transfer that cash back to one to a one-to-one point ratio. So a dollar would be essentially a point. Um, So anyways, you can pull all your points to optimize your redemptions. And that's really sweet because Chase actually has a travel portal site where you can essentially look up flights, look up hotels, and book your desired destination locations, itinerary, et cetera, for one 0.25 cents per point, which is amazing, right? It's over a dollar. You get the most for your money and the most for your points, essentially. Something that you'd also have to consider is having these three cards or having more than one credit card, for example, you really need to learn which one should be used at a certain time of spending. So for example, you know, right now I have the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. That is obviously a travel card. So that's something that, you know, I need to consider. So anytime I book flights, anytime I look for hotels, anytime I ask for an Uber or a Lyft or even go out to dining because it's, you know, you actually get points for dining or most points for dining then that's something that you should consider and obviously use that particular card. For my small business, 
if I had an ink preferred card, that is something that I should utilize as well for all my business expenditures. If none of those categories could be fulfilled, that's when I would use my Chase Unlimited Freedom Card, right? That's a cash back card. Obviously, I would kind of stay away from the cash back only because if you want to maximize your biggest point potential for travel purposes, that should be something that you should focus on. I have a Discover card as well. That right there would be my cashback card mainly. And, you know, it cycles through. Most cards have that um, where a certain period they have, you know, ways for you to earn more cash back. Um, but so far, so good. I love my Chase Sapphire preferred card and there is an annual fee. So it's $95. However, if you are active duty military and you're a spouse of the active duty military, some credit card companies will waive the annual fee. And the top two that you know, has been surfaced through all of my readings and research is Chase and American Express. So how amazing is that? Um, so that is something right there. Utilize if you are a service member and you're a spouse of a service member. And unfortunately, I didn't know that. I had no idea until I had already um, received my Chase Sapphire Preferred card. And so now... It's about to be a game changer because I'm definitely going to upgrade to the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, not have to pay the annual fee, and maximize my point earning potential. Consider that, right? And you can also do that with American Express. And American Express actually has some really good deals and offers and promotions as well. Okay, great. So you were talking about the Chase trifecta, having the three cards, the preferred, the freedom, and the business, which is called the ink. So is there a way that, uh, now I'm assuming here, for you to be able to have the business card, I'm sure you have to have some kind of, you know, business or be self-employed in some way. Is that true? Or, and if it is, how can a normal person who doesn't have a business take advantage of the Chase trifecta if they don't? Okay, so in order to get the ink preferred card, you do have to have a business, right? I mean, that's how you apply for it. And essentially, if you don't have a business, because obviously, you know, not everyone here owns a business, if you don't qualify for one, you can actually switch out the ink business preferred for the Chase Freedom Flex to complete the trifecta. And again, you know, the trifecta is just the three cards um, that we had mentioned earlier, which is the Chase Sapphire Preferred or Reserve. You have the business ink card, but in this case, if you do not have a business, you can actually switch it out for the Chase Freedom Flex. And then last but not least, you have the Chase Unlimited Cashback Card. Ooh, that was a lot. <laughs> okay, um, so what I want to ask you is, through your experiences with having 
all your credit cards and building your credit score, what are some of the things that you would change from your past? My first real advice when it comes to credit cards and managing them is just use your credit card like a debit card. I have known so many people who use their debit card for everything. And they have a credit card, but they don't really use it. They only use it sometimes. And I've always asked, like, why why are you using your debit card when you could be using your credit card and then just pay that off? Because that is what I've always done. My debit card looks brand new. Like, the only time it's ever swiped is when I have to go to Costco. And Costco, you know, doesn't um, allow or accept, you know, credit cards. So that's the only time I ever use my debit card. And if I have to get something out of the ATM, but that is my best advice is just use your credit card like your debit card and just pay it off in full every single time. Um, I've always paid my, like I said earlier, I've always paid my credit cards in full. Um, now keep this in mind as well that when you purchase your first car, when you purchase your home and any other really big purchases like that, when you have those car payments, you are paying interest in that. So this is also something that you need to weigh your options are. So for example, if your car is on the economical side, then paying it all in cash is probably your best option. But if you have a bad credit score, then you're just not going to get a good interest rate. So why overpay? If you have the cash and you're able to do it, then pay off your car completely. Now, if you have good credit, a good credit score, then you can put it on payments because at the end of X amount of months or years, the bank is really only making, making I don't know, let's say... or $1,000. And if that cash, having liquid cash, so just straight up cash in your bank account, is more beneficial to you because you're interested in investing that every single month, then that's going to be the better option for you because you're going to end up making more money investing each month into your Roth IRA or your 401k, more on that on a future podcast, than the eight hundred to a thousand dollars that the bank is going to make off of you in five years that is very true and you know you might also want to look into a high yield savings account in the event you still want to keep your money in a debit card or what have you because obviously Mm -hmm. you know there are some situations where a credit card Probably wouldn't be feasible for you, but in the event where you have to have some type of money in your savings account, looking for a high yield savings account is going to be a good option. So for those of you who don't really know how to invest or anything like that yet, because you will get there. So tell us a little bit more about that high yield savings account. How does that work? Technically, what banks do when you open a savings account is you're letting that bank borrow money. So anytime you keep a certain amount of money with that particular bank, they'll pay you interest 
because you have a savings account with them, right? So yeah, it's free money. Congratulations. That's a great thing. However, Chase, for example, gives you a 0.01% rate of return for keeping a savings account with them. That's very, very low. I mean, that's like literally under 1%, right? 0.01 is nothing. Whereas if you put your money into a savings account in a high yield savings account, then, you know, yes, it's sitting in a savings account. It'll probably not be, you know, essentially higher than the rate of return of the stock market, but at least it's sitting somewhere that could potentially earn more than 0.01%. Okay, um, some examples of banks that do offer a high-yield savings account is Citi. The rest are normally online banks. Just make sure they are FDIC approved. That's great for your emergency fund. And more on that on a future podcast. And we'll also talk about maintaining a financial spreadsheet as well. I think we did pretty good in terms of explaining what a credit score is, the multiple credit cards that we've experienced, and then also the importance of high-yield savings account versus a traditional, and we actually gave you a preview of what we're going to discuss next. Exactly. And San, I know that you said earlier, and this was before the podcast, that you had an experience with credit fraud. So tell us a little bit about that. What would you do differently? What can we prevent? I mean, tell me what happened. Um, So I actually went through this fraud alert just recently, like I'm talking about yesterday. So um, okay, we are fresh. Yes, I got a text message from what I thought was PayPal indicating that my PayPal account had been blocked and for me to go ahead and sign in and get it unblocked, right? So I sign in and then it's sending me to my credit card information, my personal information, so like my home, my address, my phone number, and then It asked me for my social and then my driver's license. So once I got to my driver's license, I was like, this is real sketch. But by then I had already put my credit card information and my personal info as in my name and my address, right? I didn't submit it because at that point I was like, this is unreal. Like what is going on? So I called PayPal and I'm like, hey, just got a really sketch message and I just wanted to verify like is this you and sure enough weren't them so PayPal typically sends emails not text messages for those of you that don't know and for me I'm a text message guru because everything comes in a text message nowadays right like you set up your retirement accounts you set it's literally linked to your phone number so 
Uh, what I had to do essentially all morning yesterday for five hours straight was get access to my credit card, um, change my credit card, call my bank, let them know what's going on. I had to call some credit bureaus to um, send out a cred, a credit alert is what they call it. So essentially, if anyone tries to open my name with my you know, social or anything like that, then they would have to go through me to identify whether or not that's something that I wanted to do. So it was definitely a scary experience because, you know, they can do a lot with your your credit card. They can do a lot with your personal information. So I feel very dumb just even going through that experience. But of course, I'm not the only one. Yeah, for sure. It happens every day. Yeah. So, you know, it's so important for you to update your passwords like every so often. And so that was, you know, and you know, I'm really good about that. Like I update my passwords every six months, every three months, every two months. Like I'm literally crazy enough to do that because I get notifications like on my phone to just update my passwords. And so if one company asks me to do it, then I just do them all. Right. And so um, yesterday having to go through my several accounts was kind of a pain in my posterior, but it was (laughs) much needed to do. So yeah, that experience was really bad. And what I would change is to be more uh, attention, attention, attentive to detail because I think Mm -hmm. that's what happened like I had a slight misjudgment and I just was too trusting and you know I wasn't cautious and so now I'm feeling like just terrible with what I did but (laughs) I really can't do anything except just take the measures call the bank call the credit bureaus and for those of you who don't know what credit bureaus are An example would be like TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. You call one of them to put out a credit alert, which goes through all three of them automatically. And or you can do a credit freeze. And so what that essentially means is they just freeze all your credit accounts where no one can have access to your reports, your credit, nothing. You can still use your credit card, the ones that you have now, but you just can't open one until you unfreeze or thaw it out is what they call it. And for that process, you have to call all three credit bureaus, which was a lot, a lot. However, it's a, you know, layer of protection. So for sure. Well, we definitely learned something there. It's so hard to tell nowadays with the text messages that we get and the phone calls that we receive, you know, who's legitimate, who is um, acting fraudulently. So just be sure that anytime you are being contacted, that you're not giving any information. Sometimes I've I've actually gotten, um, what was it? I, th- I believe it was Spectrum who was calling me about something and they were asking me for my information and I hung up on them and then called them back because I was so sketched out by that it turned out it was them but (laughs) um you know just making sure about all that good stuff so yeah 
Alrighty, everyone. Well, I believe this is it now. Please rate and subscribe to our podcast. And if you could follow us on Instagram at wish I knew pod. And if you want to follow us personally, my Instagram is simply.sn. And mine is Maria Palaez. Until next time. See ya.